And let's pray together. Father, you are truly good to us. And Father, we see you at work in good times and in bad times. And Father, we we just pray that you'll help us to, to always understand, Father, that you are with us at all times. And Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made there. Father, we thank you that because of what Jesus did on the cross, you remember our sins no more. Father, help us to be forgiving people like we are forgiven people. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, today's sermon is the next to last sermon in this sermon series. This sermon series is, Say What? Does the Bible Really Say That? And as most of you know, throughout this series, every week we've been taking a common Christian cliche. We've examined one of the sayings that Christians are known to frequently recite to one another. One of the sayings that are often posted on Facebook or displayed on t-shirts or coffee mugs or bumper stickers. And each week we've asked of that particular cliche, does the Bible really say that? And we're asking those questions because the answer to that question is really important. It's vitally important that the things that we say are from the Bible really are from the Bible. It's crucial that the promises that we attribute to God really come from God. And as is the case for today's cliche, it is imperative that the expectations that that we claim that God has for his children are expectations that really do come from God. So we're going to consider today's cliche, you have to forgive and forget. And we're going to once more ask, does the Bible really say that? We're going to ask, does God really expect his followers to forgive and forget? And this isn't a trivial question. This is a question that really matters. So let's take a look at why it matters if we are called to forgive and forget. And it matters first because the way that we are called to forgive is linked to the way that we are forgiven. And secondly, it matters because the way that we are going to be forgiven is linked to the way that we do forgive. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Paul encourages the Christians in Ephesus, and he encourages them to put off the old self. He encourages them to put on the new self, the new self that was created to be like God, like God in true righteousness and holiness. And Paul says that part of the new self, part of being like God, part of being righteous and holy is to be kind and compassionate to one another. And forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So we're called to forgive how? Well, we're called to forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave us. The Bible really says that. And then in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, in a kind of similar way, Paul encourages the church there to act like who they really are. He says, you are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved, so you need to act like that. And so he says, clothe yourselves with compassion, 
with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. And then he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we are to forgive how? Well, we are for to give as the Lord forgave us. The Bible really says that. This question matters. It matters because we are told to forgive as we have been forgiven. And it also matters for another reason. It matters because not only are we called to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us, we're also told, we're also promised, and in many ways we're also warned that God will forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. In the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 14, Jesus has just prayed what we call the Lord's Prayer. And after he had prayed, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, Jesus says this. He says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So if we forgive others when they sin against us, what is God going to do for us? Well, God is going to forgive us when we sin against him. The Bible really says that. And it also says that if we refuse to forgive others when they sin against us, what is God going to do? Well, it says God will not forgive our sins. The Bible really says that. See, this question matters. It matters because we're told that we'll be forgiven in the same way that we forgive. So if we're supposed to forgive others like God forgives us, isn't it really important to know how God forgives? To forgive like God, we need to know how God forgives. And if we're going to be forgiven in the same way that we forgive others, Isn't it really important that we know how we should forgive? Because to be forgiven by God, we need to know how we are to forgive. So we can ask this question. In order to forgive like God, do we need to be able to forgive and forget? And we need to ask the question, in order to be forgiven by God, do we have to forgive others and forget what they did to us? Said in another way, does God forgive and forget our sins? And does God expect us to forgive and forget the sins of others? And I'll go ahead and tip my hand right now. I'll tell you that the Bible never says that God forgives and forgets our sins against him. And I'll tell you also the Bible never says that God calls on us to forgive and forget the sins that others have committed against us. My guess is some of you probably, I just lost you right there, didn't I? I imagine some of you are thinking, you know, you had us do this whole Project 6K challenge and we've been reading through the whole Bible and I know somewhere in all those prophets, somewhere in there it said that we have to forgive and forget. Somewhere in there, at least it said that God forgives and forgets our sins. 
So let's take a look and let's see what God said through his prophets, specifically through the prophet Jeremiah. If you'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, I'll be reading starting in verse 33. This is the prophet prophet Jeremiah speaking to Israel about the new covenant that's going to come. And he speaks for God and he said, This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? He says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. That sounds an awful lot like forgiving and forgetting. And this is really the verse that helps explain why the notion that forgiving and forgetting have to go together is so popular. It helps explain why forgiving and forgetting are so frequently linked together. It helps explain why so many people believe that you can't do the one, you can't forgive unless you also do the other, unless you also forget. But I'm here to tell you that when God says that he will remember the sins no more, he isn't saying that he will forget their sins. So let that sink in for a minute. Go ahead and scratch your heads for a minute and see how that is possible. And I'm going to return to the question of why this question, the question of should we forgive and forget, why it's so important, why it matters so much. If you'll look on your outline, you'll see that this is why it matters part two. Why does it matter whether we should forgive and forget? And it matters not just because we're told that we're supposed to forgive like God forgives. And it matters not just because we're told that we will be forgiven by God in the same way that we forgive. It also matters because of forgive and forget because it has so much popularity, because it's used so frequently. It matters because of how often well-meaning friends try to help us heal by telling us that we just need to forgive and forget. And it matters because of how often the very people who have hurt us, the very people who have sinned against us, tell us that we must not have forgiven them because we obviously haven't forgotten, 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 that's good grammar, forgotten what they did to us. And there's some things that I want you to know. I want you to know that not only is telling someone that forgiving and forgetting is the only way that they can heal from the damage that was caused by someone else's sin, not only is that bad advice, that isn't biblical advice. I also want you to know that the notion that in order to forgive someone's sins against us, we also have to forget their sins against us. That's not only unbiblical, it's also often a selfish way to divert guilt away from the one who sinned and place that guilt right on the one who was harmed by the sin. So I feel like I've got a lot of explaining to do. At least three different statements that I need to explain. 
That first statement is, why is telling someone that they must forgive and forget in order to heal bad and unbiblical advice? The second thing that I need to explain is, why is the notion that in order to forgive a sin, we must also forget a sin not only unbiblical, but selfish? And the third and final thing I need to explain is, how is God forgiving and remembering sins no more any different than forgetting and forgetting. So what are the problems with you have to forgive and forget? Well, there are several problems, and none of them have to do with the forgiving part. All of the problems have to do with the admonition to forget. The first problem with you have to forgive and forget might seem obvious when you think about it. The first problem with forgetting uh, sins, telling people they have to forget sins, is that that's just impossible to do. It can't be done. I look out over this audience and I see a lot of gray hairs, I see a lot of bald heads, so I know a lot of you experience a lot of the same frustrations that I have. And one of the frustrations of aging is what? It's memory, isn't it? One of the frustrations with growing older is that we can't remember the things that we want to remember. We go to great lengths to help us remember. We write things down. We tell other people. We set notifications on our phone and on our computers. We put alerts wherever we possibly can, and still we forget. But one part of our memory that doesn't need any help is our memory for the harm that other people have done to us. I don't need to write down the pain that someone else has brought me. I don't have to set alerts and reminders on my phone to help me remember the unkind words that people have said to me or the unkind words that people have said about me. That's the way we're wired. We can't remember the things that we would like to remember, and we can't forget the things that we would just as soon forget. We can't forget those things even when we try. It's impossible to forget. We're hardwired by God to remember the harm that other people have brought to us. And I want you to know that God never asks us to do what he hasn't given us the ability to do. God hasn't asked us to forget what we can't forget. Well, the second problem with forgive and forget is that it brings unnecessary and unwarranted and undeserved guilt to the people who have been wounded by others, even though they are the innocent parties. They are the ones who have done no wrong. Telling someone that they have to do the impossible only brings guilt when they aren't able to do the impossible. It only brings guilt, not healing, when they're told that they have to forget something they can't forget. You know, telling the abused child or telling the abused wife that they not only have to forgive their abuser, but they also have to forget the abuse, that doesn't bring healing. It just brings guilt because they'll never be able to forget the abuse. Telling our Christian brother that he not only needs to forgive the sister who slandered his good name, but also forget what she said, 
It doesn't bring healing. It just brings guilt. Because he'll never forget those painful words. Telling people that they need to forgive and forget brings unnecessary guilt to the wounded people, to the innocent people. And that problem is related to the third problem with forgive and forget. See, forgive and forget often minimizes the need for the person who did the wrong to repent. For the person who did the wrong to change. See, when we insist that the victim of the sin must forgive and forget, when we insist that the victim of the sin must do the impossible and not only forgive the sinner but forget the sin... We often shift the focus and shift the guilt away from the sinner, the sin of the sinner. And we put the focus and the guilt on the one who can't forget what was done to them. We make the abused feel wrong for not being able to forget the abuse. We make the slandered feel wrong for not being able to forget the slander. And all the time, our focus should be on insisting that the abuser and the slanderer repent and turn away from their sin. The sin that the abused and the slandered can't forget. They can forgive, but never forget. So forgive and forget minimizes the need for the person who did wrong to repent and change. And that brings us to the fourth and by far the most important problem with forgive and forget. The final problem with forgive and forget is that that isn't how God forgives. God doesn't forgive by forgetting our sins. God forgives by not remembering our sins. And there is a difference, and I'll try to help make some sense out of that. So to make some sense out of that, let's look at how God forgets, how God does not forgive, but how God does not remember our sins. Let's look at how remembering is different than forgetting. So let's look at how God remembers. When the Bible talks about God remembering, we need to know that God is acting. It's not a mental process for God. When the Bible talks about God remembering, it isn't talking about God suddenly bringing to mind something that he had previously forgotten. How can the God who knows all things at all times forget anything at any time? So when the Bible talks about God remembering, it describes God choosing to act on what he already knows. I think this is the perfect illustration of what it means for God to remember. So you remember the great flood. You remember that Noah and his family and all the animals have been placed on an ark. They've been rescued from the flood. And the Bible says this, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. It says, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. God remembered Noah, and God sent a wind. I want you to know this isn't a description of an aging God. God wasn't walking around heaven with this nagging feeling that he was forgetting something really important. 
God didn't wake up with a start in the middle of the night realizing that he had completely forgotten Noah. Oh, my goodness, Noah, he's out there on the boat. I forgot all about him. God didn't forget about that, that boat full of animals and people that were drifting along on the water. God hadn't forgotten Noah. When the Bible says that God remembered Noah, the Bible is telling us that God was choosing at that time to act based on what he already knew. God hadn't forgotten Noah and the ark. See, when God remembers, it means that God is acting. And when the Bible tells us that God remembers no more, he forget, forgives and he remembers sin no more. When the Bible tells us that, it isn't that God suddenly develops amnesia. It isn't that God suddenly hits a delete key. God doesn't forgive our sins and then forget them. Instead, he chooses not to act. He chooses not to act toward the guilty like the guilty deserve. He remembers their sin no more. And isn't that really the wonder of the cross? Isn't that really the amazing thing about the cross? That God knows our sin, God sees our sin, and God chose not to act towards us like our sin deserves. He remembered our sins no more. And instead, he sent his son to the cross. And see, it's the cross that brings true meaning to our call to forgive in the same way that we have been forgiven. See, if we really believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we really believe that Jesus on the cross brought forgiveness so our sins would be remembered no more, if we believe in the cross, it has to affect how we respond when others do us wrong. See, if we really believe in the cross and what was done by Jesus Christ for us on the cross... We must forgive others. We must forgive those who have sinned against us and remember their sins no more. Not act like their sins deserve. That happens every Sunday as we eat the bread and as we sip the wine. See, every Sunday we remember, don't we? We remember the body of Christ. We remember the blood of Jesus. And when we're doing that, we're renewing our commitment to act more like Jesus. We're renewing our commitment to forgive our brothers and sisters and remember their sins no more. And that kind of forgiveness, it's not impossible, but it's not easy. And it's only possible when we forgive others based on who we are, based on what has been done for us, not basing our forgiveness on what others did to us. See, we forgive not because we're forgetful. We forgive because we are forgiven. So as we near the end of this message, I want to just give you three things to remember about forgiving. 
First thing that I want to leave you with is, while forgetting sins against us is often impossible, forgiveness is not optional for followers of Jesus Christ. We who have been forgiven must forgive. We who have been forgiven must forgive in the same way that we have been forgiven, with great mercy. We must choose not to act and not to react like the sins of others deserve. We must choose not to act. We must choose to remember their sins no more. The second thing that I want to leave you with, next thing I want to have you remember about forgiving, is that forgiving others magnifies the grace of God in our lives. See, in our church family, in our own lives, when we forgive others with the same measure of grace that God has given us, amazing things happen. Then grace abounds. Grace grows among us. And grace wins. The third thing that I want to leave you with, that I want you to remember about forgiving And it's this, when we take those painful memories, the painful memories of how other people have hurt us, how they have harmed us, how they have sinned against us, when we take those painful memories that we all have, when we take them to the foot of the cross, when we take them to Jesus Christ, it's only then that we begin to live with our own wounds in healthier ways. See, when we're struggling with those painful memories that we won't ever be able to forget, the thing to do isn't to pretend like we don't remember that, pretend like those things never happened. No, the thing to do is to take those memories to the foot of the cross. And when we take those memories, when we take those pains, when we take those scars to the foot of the cross, somehow... Somehow in mysterious ways, through the power of Jesus' blood, somehow, when we stand before the one who was wounded for us, it's then that we begin to feel our own wounds heal. I want to encourage you to take your wounds, your painful memories to the foot of the cross. And then finally, there's this. See, there's some forgiveness business that I think we probably all need to tend to. Because I know that there are some of us here, probably most of us here, if not all of us here, who need to engage in some forgiveness action. So let me end by asking this. What action do you need to take when you remember First of all, what action do you need to take when you remember the harm that others have done to you? And when you remember those painful memories, I want to encourage you to forget about forgetting. But I want you to remember that it's always time, and it's especially the time right now for you to 
forgive? What action do you need to take when you remember? What action do you need to take when you remember the harm that you have done to others? What action do you need to take when you recall those painful memories? And this morning, I want to encourage you not to wait and hope for forgetfulness on the part of the person that you harmed. Because they're not going to forget. But instead, I want you to remember that now is the time for you to go and ask them for their forgiveness. What action do you need to take when you remember? Let's stand and let's pray together.